0: August 5th, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. We'll go through chapter 2 and verse 5. I, Paul, know very well how foolish the message of the cross sounds to those who are on the road to destruction. But we who are being saved recognize this message as the very power of God. As the scriptures say, I will destroy human wisdom and discard their most brilliant ideas. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made them all look foolish and has shown their wisdom to be useless nonsense. Since God in His wisdom saw to it that the world would never find Him through human wisdom, He has used our foolish preaching to save all who believe. God's way seems foolish to the Jews because they want a sign from heaven to prove it is true. And it is foolish to the Greeks because they believe only what agrees with their own wisdom. So, when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended, and the Gentiles say it's all nonsense. But to those called by God to salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the mighty power of God and the wonderful wisdom of God. This foolish plan of God. IS FAR WISER THAN THE WISEST OF HUMAN PLANS, AND GOD'S WEAKNESS IS FAR STRONGER THAN THE GREATEST OF HUMAN STRENGTH. REMEMBER, DEAR BROTHERS AND SISTERS, THE FEW OF YOU WHO WERE WISE IN THE WORLD'S EYES, OR POWERFUL, OR WEALTHY WHEN GOD CALLED YOU. INSTEAD, GOD DELIBERATELY CHOSE THINGS THE WORLD CONSIDERS FOOLISH IN ORDER TO SHAME THOSE WHO THINK THEY ARE WISE, AND HE CHOSE THOSE WHO ARE POWERLESS TO SHAME THOSE WHO ARE POWERFUL. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important, so that no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. He made us pure and holy, and He gave Himself to purchase our freedom— As the scriptures say, the person who wishes to boast should boast only of what the Lord has done. Dear brothers and sisters, when I first came to you, I didn't use lofty words and brilliant ideas to tell you God's message, for I decided to concentrate only on Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. I did not use wise and persuasive speeches but the Holy Spirit was powerful among you. I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom.
1: You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them people that make a difference in the world are not people who have mastered a lot of things they are people who have been mastered by a very few things that are very very great If you want your life to count you don't have to have a high IQ and you don't have to have a high EQ you don't have to be smart you don't have to have good looks you don't have to be from a good family or from a good school you just have to know a few basic simple glorious majestic, obvious, unchanging, eternal things and be gripped by them and be willing to lay down your life for them. Which is why anybody in this crowd can make a worldwide difference. Because it isn't you. It's what you're gripped with. But one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school get a good job find a husband or a wife a nice house, a nice car, long weekends good vacations grow old, healthy have a fun retirement die easy, no hell and that's all you want you don't give a rip whether your life counts on this earth for eternity that's a tragedy in the making that is a tragedy in the making about three weeks ago we got news at our church that Ruby Eliasson and Laura Edwards were killed in Cameroon Ruby Eliasson over 80, single, all her life. A nurse. Poured her life out for one thing. To make Jesus Christ known among the sick and the poor in the hardest and most unreached places. Laura Edwards, medical doctor in the Twin Cities, And then in retirement, partnering up with Ruby, also pushing 80 and going from village to village in Cameroon and the brakes give way, over a cliff they go and they're dead instantly. And I asked my people, is this a tragedy? two women in their 80s almost a, a whole life devoted to one idea Jesus Christ magnified among the poor and the sick in the hardest places and 20 years after most of their American counterparts had begun to Throw their lives away on trivialities in Florida and New Mexico. Fly into eternity with a death in a moment. Is this a tragedy, I asked. It is not a tragedy. I'll read you what a tragedy is. I've got a little article here from Reader's Digest. You don't read Reader's Digest, I know that. But there is a generation Does this is a tragedy? Title of the article Start now, retire early. February 1998. Bob and Penny took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast five years ago when he was 59 and she was 51. Now they live in Punta Gorda, Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. And there are people in this country that are spending billions of dollars And I get 40 minutes to plead with you, don't buy it. With all my heart, I plead with you, don't buy that dream. The American dream. A nice house, a nice car, a nice job, a nice family, a nice retirement. Collecting shells. As the last chapter before you stand before the creator of the universe to give an account with what you did. Here it is Lord, my shell collection. Look Lord my shell collection and I've got a good swing and look at my boat. God Look at my boat, God. Well, not for Ruby and not for Laura. Don't waste your life. Don't waste it.
0: Today we're reading in Psalm 27, verses 7 through 14. What makes you afraid? Darkness? But the Lord is your light. Danger? He is also your salvation. Deficiency? He is your strength. Then why be afraid? See what He does for you. God saves you. Because he was not a priest, David could not actually go into the tabernacle but he could still rest in the Lord and trust him as his refuge. The New Testament equivalent for this is abide in me. In him is perfect safety. God smiles on you. You must go beyond merely seeking God's help. Seek his face. The smile of God is all you need to overcome the scowls of men. And God shows you the way. Satan wants to trap you. But the Lord will show you the safe way. Believe His promise and walk by faith. His goodness will be with you. Oh, and very important, God strengthens you. We need strength for the battle and strength for the journey, don't we? And God abundantly provides. Be sure to take time to wait on the Lord. If you run ahead of Him or lag behind, you'll be a perfect target for the enemy. Psalm 27, verses 7 through 14. Listen to my pleading, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, Come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not hide yourself from me. Do not reject your servant in anger. You have always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me. O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, The Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the path of honesty, for my enemies are waiting for me to fall. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I have never done and breathe out violence against me. Yet I am confident that I will see the Lord's goodness while I am here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. Proverbs 20, verses 22 and 23. Don't say, I will get even for this wrong. Wait for the Lord to handle the matter. The Lord despises double standards, He is not pleased by dishonest scales.